Father, we are so thankful for your son. We come to give him honor and worship today. We pray that that's what happened here today. We pray that that continues as we look into your word now. Uh, We're so thankful that you've given us a living hope that goes beyond this life, something we can grab a hold of now. We know if he did not come, there'd just be darkness. And we're so thankful that he did. Jesus, we're thankful that you came and laid down your life for us, purchased us, your word says, with your blood. We'll understand what that means more fully when we see you again one day face to face. Until then, I pray that you'd help us to hold on to your promises. Father, we pray that we would hold on to your promises because we know that that's right. That's what you want us to do, and that's, that's how we ought to live. We pray this morning now, we look into your word, that you change each one of us. Um, because of the hearing of it. We pray that you would give uh, Pete your words today. In Christ's name, amen. amen. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. It is a privilege to be with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, would you grab them and open them up to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That's where we're going to be spending our time this morning. And it is uh, just great to be with you this morning and to have you here with us. And, and this is the time in our morning where we're going to settle in underneath the Word of God and let it speak to us as we worship. Today we're going to wrap up a series that we've done for the last three weeks on missions. And the hope of this series is for us to consider what the Bible has to say about the missional work that God is at work doing And letting the Word of God answer some of our most common questions when it comes to missions and our role within that. And the overarching question that we've been trying to tackle and let the Word of God answer for us is the question, is it worth it? Is it worth it to continue to participate in outreach and missions? Is it worth it to continue to send teams to uh, different parts of our city, different parts of our state, and then different parts of our world? And, and our desire has been, as pastors and leaders, is for, not for you just to take our word from it. And so we had the privilege the last two weeks of inviting in some guest speakers to let them share with you a little snapshot of what God is doing around the world. Because sometimes we can kind of be focused in our immediate surroundings and not be aware of those realities. And so we've been able to hear that, yes, God is using mission teams. He's using people who are saying, I will go and sacrifice my time. I will go into environments that are uncomfortable and and I'm not uh, in my comfort zone. I will lay down some of those creature comforts to go and take the good news of Jesus Christ to another part of the world, to let him use me to encourage other believers, to let him use me to go reach out to people who maybe have never heard about Jesus Christ. And we've been looking at this and, and they have come and testified that it is worth it. And so hopefully hearing those different needs and hearing about the evangelism and those areas around the world where the gospel isn't being uh, clearly taught and, and the opportunity to go to those places still and let them know about the light of the world, to let them know the goodness of the gospel and to, to hear about the opportunity to be able to sponsor a child and be able to provide not only for their physical needs, but to provide the opportunity for them to hear about Jesus and through just giving a, a few dollars a month to sponsor a child, that we have the ability to potentially impact an entire village or entire families with the gospel. And so God is at work. And hopefully hearing these stories has led you to be encouraged that God is still alive. God is still at work. 
You know, there are times in our life where maybe we haven't heard. You know, we, we use that phrase, I haven't heard from the Lord lately. I haven't felt his reality in my life. I've gotten kind of distracted or the sounds of the world, all of the things that are, are being demanded of me, all the voices that want my attention, it sometimes drowns out the reality that God is alive. His son, Jesus Christ, God who came in the flesh and died on the cross for our sins has risen and he is reigning. And we are in that in-between time. And, and so we hear these stories and we hear these testimonies from around the world of what God is continuing to do through his church. And it should leave us encouraged that he is at work. But these stories should also motivate us. They should motivate us to movement. And I just pray, I've been praying for for our church this morning. As we've come the last three weeks and we've heard these encouraging stories, that they wouldn't just fill our hearts and kind of just make us feel good about being part of God's team, because God's team is clearly the winning team, but that we would actually see ourselves in that work. I'm reminded this morning, I had a chance to have a meal this week with a dear friend of mine who's pastoring at another church, and we were just talking about uh, just different experiences we're having and how God is using us, and we were both just being able to testify just the, as being a part of this body, not only getting to minister to it, but being ministered by you, just how thankful we are that so many of you are participating in the work. You're, you're serving as I look around in the room this morning, so many of you I know are not only serving in missions and being part of missions teams in the past and in the future, but you're serving in all the different areas that allow us to be together and to serve one another and point each other towards Christ. And so this morning, I, I want us to be able to wrap up this series and I want us to shift the focus from not only what God is doing around the world through missions, but I want us to consider what God wants to do through us in our role in missionary work. And what I'd like for us to consider this morning is how our own identity is related to missions. See, the topic of identity is an interesting one. It's actually a pretty controversial topic depending on the context in which you're discussing it. But the reality is there are many ideas and definitions for identity and, and all of us at some point are going to have to struggle through an identity crisis where we're trying to answer this most basics of questions, who am I? And as we go through that, that process of who am I, we begin to think, we have to, we have to wade through all these questions. Is my identity what I do? Or is my identity what I've done? Is my identity what I have is my identity what other people say that I am? As a, as a believer, we have to recognize, and we often do, that there are voices competing for our attention to help us answer this question. There's a world out there that's going to want to define what your identity is, wants to tell you who you are, what's going to tell you what success looks like, and, and then point you to that. It's going to tell you maybe in the, in the negative way that you are this and nothing more because of mistakes you made in your past and you're basically hopeless. You're unusable. And then we have the other voice, the voice that cries out to us from the scriptures, the voice of God that says something very different. 
and not only tells you what he thinks about you as his creator, but tells you what he has created you to be. He gives you an identity. He clears up that question for you and for me. As we think about missions this morning and why we should participate in it, I think the easy classic text to go to would be Matthew 28, where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Go into that world and and make disciples. But what I think our text this morning is going to show us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is that participation in missions, your participation in missions, is not something that you should do or consider because you want to be obedient to God, but that you should see that your calling to missions is the identity that God has given you in Christ. So we're going to look at this text. It's a really familiar text in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 14. Would you please stand with me in honor of God's word as we consider our text for this morning? This is the word of the Lord. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Do you believe that's true? It is. Would you join me in a word of prayer? God, I pray now as we head into this text that you would open our eyes and that you would see our identity in missional work. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. You may be seated. In his book, Multiply, Francis Chan makes a helpful observation about our mission and calling as followers of Jesus. It's uh, the opening paragraph in our notes this morning. He writes, in the New Testament, the mission of God's people becomes even clearer. We are not only on this earth merely to enjoy our own personal relationships with God. We are here to be God's servants, his ambassadors. Though much of Christian thought tells us that we are the center of it all, that it's all about you and God and nothing else really matters, the reality is that God is the center. And he has saved us so that we can work with him in his mission to redeem humanity and restore creation to what he originally intended it to be. This means that when we read the Bible, we need to come to view it as our marching orders. Rather than coming to the Bible with our own agenda and trying to find verses that support what we'd like to do, We need to allow the Bible to shape our hopes and dreams. Every time we read the Bible, we should understand our mission a little better. Why we're on this earth in the first place. How can we take part in what God is doing in this world? These are all questions that the Bible answers as long as we are ready to listen. There's one main point that I want us to uh, take away this morning as we wrap up this series. 
and that we consider our role within missions here, not only at Salem Heights, but in all the different opportunities to serve in God's work around the world. And it's this. The big idea is that everyone in Christ has been commissioned as an ambassador for Christ. Everyone in Christ has been commissioned as an ambassador for Christ. Paul is saying that in Christ, because of faith in Christ, you have now not only a new purpose, but a new focus. And it's an important one. The role of ambassador is an important role within a kingdom. An ambassador can be defined as one encyclopedia of the Bible defined it as a messenger officially representing a higher authority from a foreign land. Being an ambassador for Christ is an important role because it is an important message that he wants you to communicate to creation. Do you understand that? That the role is important, not because of you, but because of the message. But he's chosen you and equipped you and called you and will send you to take that very important message to a lost and dying world that he loved and died for. So why do you send an ambassador? Well, you send an ambassador because of the importance of the message, but not only because of the words of the message, because you want to convey to the hearer the heart, the emotion, and the urgency of the message. You send an ambassador to clearly communicate those words when an email or a text message or a DM won't do. You know, we can communicate in a lot of different ways, but I don't know if you've ever experienced this where you've gotten a text message and and maybe you misunderstood it. You couldn't understand the the tone, the intention of it. I saw this one on the internet. Uh, This person says, I'm here for you. Thanks, I'm going through a tough time, so it means a lot. I'm sorry, I lost all my contacts. Who is this? This is your Uber driver. I'm here to pick you up. Sometimes the message can be misunderstood when it's impersonal. True? I don't know if you've ever accidentally sent a message to somebody that you were intending for somebody else, especially with the dangers of voice texting and how it can change words. One time I was at the store and I, was, I texted my wife and I said, how many apples do you need for an apple crisp? I wanted to, to make a dessert that night. Unfortunately, I sent that to Pastor Justin. He texted back, four big ones and take out the trash. (laughs) I hate it when that happens. But the reality is, it's it's easy to misunderstand something that's not in person, but as a king of a vast kingdom, it's not uncommon for a king or a president or a leader to send somebody on their behalf to go and deliver an important message that they want to make sure is clearly communicated, not just the words of that message, but the heart, the emotion, and the urgency behind it. In Romans chapter 10, Paul reiterates this in one of the verses that we love as part of our discipleship program here at the church where he says, how then will they call on him in who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? This important thing that Paul's saying is that belief in the gospel is so key to us becoming new in Christ, to having this new identity that, that we are not earning, but that God places on us because we are in his son. 
But the ability to believe requires the ability to hear that message and how are, we gonna, how are people going to hear and respond by faith in the gospel to have that life transformation unless those of us who have that message go out as ambassadors for the king. And so each one of us is not only an ambassador. It's not only like, hey, here's the title. You've been commissioned. Over the last several weeks, and even today at the end of this service, we're going to commission more teams. What are we doing? We're saying, as Salem Heights Church, these are our people. And we are going to pray for them, and we are sending them out to go do the Lord's work in various parts of the world. The word commission can be defined as an authorization or a command to act in a prescribed manner or to perform prescribed acts in behalf of or in place of another. We are sending them out as Salem Hiders because not all of us can go to Arizona. Not all of us can go to Guatemala. Not all of us can go to India. But some of us can. And so we are sending you out because we feel called as the church to take that message and be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And so you have been commissioned, perhaps not overseas, but you've been commissioned as an ambassador with a really important message. Where would that be for you this morning? If you are a believer, this is your identity. This is who you are. This should be the thing that you're striving to fulfill. This is the thing that you're hoping to take hold of. That's what we see in Paul's other letters, that all the other things that I could pursue that would give me a sense of identity and purpose and placement in the world, those things I lay aside so that I can take a hold of the identity that Christ has given me and to live in that and to experience that. Is that true for you this morning? I want you to know as I this morning feel led to kind of push on this uncomfortable part of our life where it's asking us to get outside of our comforts to go take the message of Christ somewhere else. I want you to know that the word of God has been pushing on my heart for many years in this area because for many years I claimed to be a a sender, not a goer. But that was just my way of saying, I don't want to go. Be careful if you say that because the Lord might have you lead missions program at a church someday. (laughs) But that's what God does. He changes hearts, right? He changes hearts. So with this in view, this is our big idea this morning. You, if you are in Christ this morning, if you've believed in the gospel for your salvation, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you desire to live for him, then your identity has already been established even though you might be pursuing another identity in your, in your work or in your finances or in your status and clout, he says, none of that matters. I've already placed an identity on you. You're my ambassador and I'm leaving you here. The reason I haven't taken you home to be with me forever is because you have work to do for me. And so knowing that and letting that be our view, I want to look at our text this morning and let it kind of define for us how to be an effective ambassador. Not just an ambassador by name, but how can I be effective? How can I accomplish the work that Christ has for me as an ambassador of his kingdom? For some of you, this text is going to be a diagnostic tool. You're already ambassador. You've already taken hold of that calling. And you are just going to use this text to diagnose, how am I doing? Is there any blind spots? If I started to slip, am I still sharp for the Lord? For others of you, this is going to be hopefully an encouraging text to say, man, I haven't been living this way, but in Christ, this is my potential. Lord, help me be your ambassador. So three keys this morning for being an effective ambassador for Christ. The first one, we must see ourselves accurately. You must see yourself accurately. Paul says in verse 14, the love of Christ controls us. 
having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who might live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. He goes on to say in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. What an amazing truth for you and for me, the potential that we have in Christ. An ambassador is a representative. An ambassador is a servant of the king, but typically uh, they are the most qualified. They are the most noble. They're the one that have the ability to maybe have eloquence of speech, but not, not so in God's kingdom. He, he, he's going to get all the glory. And so what does he do? He takes those who were dead in their sins, lost, those who, who might not feel qualified. He says, no, no, I'm going to use you to be my ambassador. This is, this is consistent throughout the course of human history. God tells Moses, I want you to go talk to Pharaoh, be my ambassador to Pharaoh. Moses says, I can't, I have a stammering tongue. I can't speak to people. Maybe you've said that before. I wouldn't know what to say. I get tongue-tied when it comes to talking about God. God said, no, I've got it covered, Moses. There's times where God wants to use people who don't want to go and reach the lost because they're they're annoyed by the lost, like Jonah. And he uses not only the calling of ambassador to do what he has designed and, and he wants to do in the life of those people, but he's also going to use it to grow us and shape us and refine us. But here's the thing, as an ambassador, your sole focus then for living, your identity is to represent his kingdom. What we learn from verses four through eight, 14 through 18 in this text is that there is a God and you and I are not him. And so we are to live not for ourselves, but to live for him, that our identity has been assigned to us. It's not something that we earned. Look what it says here, verse 18. Now all these things, all these things, this new potential in Christ to live for him, to, to see things now from an eternal perspective, not just temporary. I don't look at things now merely just as flesh, as physical, things that live and die and it's over. Now I look at them and I see that there is a, a whole spiritual realm. There's an eternity in the balance here. Now all these things, it says in verse 18, are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. An ambassador recognizes that he is not the king. He is the servant of the king. He is the representative of the king. That our calling as ambassadors is not because we dusted ourselves off and started going to church more, learned some memory verses, and now we're qualified to be an ambassador. No, he reconciled us to himself. He didn't need to be reconciled to us. He reconciled us to himself And he gave us this ministry, this privilege. And now it's our duty to share that message. And so the first thing we want to do if we want to be effective is we got to recognize that we are not God, that our kingdom is not the one we should be trying to build, but his kingdom is what we have been called to serve in. We are his representative. So here's the question for us this morning as we look at this first point. Do you see yourself accurately? And please know that the the proper response is that, yeah, man, I really think horrible things about myself. I'm super humble. I'm worthless. That's not the right thing. The Bible is full of descriptions of how God sees you. 
But the value that you now have is because he has placed it on you. He has given that because of his son. So you have value. But do you see yourself accurately? What kingdom are you building? What kingdom are you focused on building up in your life? As an ambassador of Christ, if that is your identity, your focus needs to be everything I do and say is for delivering that message that I've been given from the king. We've got to see ourselves accurately. This is a struggle, especially when a lot of times some of the books we'll read about faith and Christian living and even maybe some of the sermons we might listen to, uh, they might might give us the feeling like, man, the Bible's really about me and like my, you know, making me feel good and making me like feeling like I have purpose and me going out and seizing the day now that I'm in Christ. Yes, there is a hope and a future for us in Christ, but he has left us here not just to kind of make us feel good and to build us up a life here on an earth that's not gonna last forever. He's left us here because he's invited us into his kingdom and he's given us a role and he says, go out and tell more people about me. Do you see yourself accurately this morning? But there's a second key if you want to be an effective ambassador for God, and that is this. You must know the message personally. You must know the message personally. An ambassador has one job. That is to clearly deliver the message of the king. And the message we have been given is a message of reconciliation. Now, maybe you know what that word is. Uh, it's not a word that we use a ton in our culture or in our everyday language. And so let me help you understand what that is if you don't already know. To be reconciled is defined as the restoration of a friendly relationship or peace where before there had been hostility and alienation. Ordinarily, it includes the removal of an offense which caused the disruption of peace and harmony. So reconciliation is a restoration of a relationship that for a a period of time and maybe for the entire duration of the time preceding, There was hostility and anger because something was in the middle of that relationship that was causing dysfunction. And because of that that thing that was in there, that, that source of conflict, we were separated. What is that in our life? Well, before Christ, it's our sin. Our sin caused us to be at, at, at odds with God. Not just odds, the, the word here for reconciliation is this, this enmity, this hatred, this, this anger. It says that we, were, we are a rebellious person when we are not in Christ. We don't want him. We don't seek after him. We want our own way. We have made our decision. We want a life without God. And it says on the other side of that relationship, you have a God who loves you but he hates the sin that has tainted you. And so the only way to restore that relationship wasn't you coming to God, wasn't you coming to your senses, was him dealing with that sin and providing a way for you to have restoration. And he did that. God reconciled us to himself. He is the originator of our salvation. He is the initiator of that. It says that in verse 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. This is so counter to how we act as humans. If, some, if we knew someone who was just adamantly toxic, was constantly wanting to, to, to hurt us and to defame us and to insult us and to reject us, to go and then try to work on that and to help them with their issues so that we could have a relationship with them in this intimate, loving, personal, long-standing way, we wouldn't probably do that. And yet that's what God did for you and for me. 
because of his great love. That's our story of reconciliation. And if we are going to be an effective ambassador, that story in us has to be true. It has to ring true. It has to humble us and pick us up at the same time. It has to be the story that we have to tell somebody else because it's such an amazing story. Because when we look back at our, our repeated stupidity, God is faithful. Not God was faithful. He is faithful. He continues to be faithful in every moment of time. He is the I am. And so to be an effective ambassador, you have to have that message inside of you. That message has to be a, your story. And so if you're walking around today and, and, and the story of reconciliation doesn't just mesmerize you, if the story of reconciliation is something that you haven't even thought about, the fact that, man, apart from God, when I'm walking in the flesh, I am so quickly to go to my bents that are so rebellious and so disgusting and so arrogant in God's face. And yet, he continues to, to be patient with me and he has given me his spirit and he's given me this potential to love him and to lay down my life and to follow him. And he's put into me new desires to serve and to love others, to have a control that I didn't possess apart from him, a control to say no to sin and say yes to him. That's our story. And our ability to be an effective ambassador where we can clearly communicate that truth to a lost and dying world, that has to be your story your effectiveness as an ambassador, your desire to even be an ambassador is going to diminish and get quieter and get smaller and smaller if the story reconciliation is not captivating in your own heart and mind. Vance Havner, the, the old-time preacher, said this, the primary qualification for a missionary is not the love for souls, as we so often hear, but love for God. You want to be an effective ambassador? You've got to love God. And it says that in verse 14. It's this love of God that compels us, that controls us. It hymns us in. It narrows out all the distractions and gives us a focus that we've got to tell people about this message of reconciliation because the love of God captivates me. Our relationship apart from God was severed. In Christ, it no longer is. And so he has left us here as his ambassadors we're also ambassadors because we're in a foreign land. This world is not our home. I remember singing that, that hymn when I was a kid. I'm just passing through. I have a home in him. I'm a citizen of heaven. That's where I'm going to spend my eternity. So I'm in a foreign land. I'm in hostile territory. But I'm here to deliver that message to anyone who will hear it until he calls me home. He calls me home back to the kingdom that I'm going to be a part of. And so when we speak as an ambassador, we must speak from a personal understanding of the message of reconciliation. Leonard Ravenhill, a preacher and author, in a, in a text he wrote on why revival tarries. Why don't we see more revival? He was talking about Paul and he was pointing to Paul as an example for what it looks like to be someone who's going to be a, a world changer, be a, a kingdom ambassador. And he says this about Paul. He says, this empire builder for Christ with his colossal intellect and wonderful pedigree 
accepted his Lord, not only as his substitution, but also in identification. I died in him, Paul triumphantly said, and he liveth in me. Here you have Paul, the author of our text this morning, and author of so many parts of the New Testament. And Paul is this man that before Christ, he had the qualifications to be a, a, a person you would go to for advice. He had religious qualifications. He had, he had connections with political people. He was seen as highly intellectual, highly successful. When he would talk to people, he was the type of person who said, no, 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 when, when I talk, people listen. That was Paul before Christ. And now in Christ, Paul says, I, I've died to that old self where I'm leaning on my own ability to do this job that he's called me to. He lives in me. And that life in me is the life that he wants me to take out as an ambassador of Christ. Take that message out. A message that says, be reconciled to God. If we are over our salvation, we are less likely to share it. So the question for us this morning, how is your mastery of the message of reconciliation? Could you share this message of reconciliation this morning? Could you communicate what God has done and what he wants to do in the life of a person who doesn't have a relationship with him? If not, there's great promise in the scripture that if we will turn to his word and if we will walk in the spirit, he will equip you and qualify you to be an effective ambassador because that message is your message. It's your story. And finally, the third key to being an effective ambassador is this. You must reflect the heart of the king passionately. Paul writes, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We've already kind of talked about this, but a person, an ambassador, is going to be able to communicate in person much more effectively than a letter. He's going to be able to communicate the inflection, the emotion behind the message. And this message that our king has sent us with as an ambassador is a little bit unusual for a message that would go out, because typically uh, a king would send an ambassador to, to deliver an edict or a demand, possibly to uh, give a, a warning of uh, upcoming judgment if things didn't change. But this message isn't like that. This message is an urgent plea. It uses the word here that uh, appeal or beg that we are to, as we are uh, being an ambassador and we're going to people, it is a matter of, of eternal importance, the matter of salvation, the matter of reconciliation to God, to dealing with that thing that's causing that hostility and that, that breakdown from fellowship with him. But it's also so important that we do that in a way where they hear the urgency and the love and, and this matter, that this is a matter that needs to be dealt with right away. And it's not something that you have to take care of, it's something that you have to accept. What, is, what has God already done? So as an ambassador, there's a softness, there's a, there's a plea, there's an emotion that won't be communicated. They, we might say, well, they just need to read the Bible. Yes, the Bible is there, but he has said, how are they going to believe that so someone is sent? The ambassador takes that word of God and says, you need to hear this. This is my story, and I want you to hear. He is begging you, no longer live in that rejection, no longer live in that doubt. Be reconciled to God. 
receive that gift of salvation, be placed in his kingdom. I believe the heart of the king reflected here as an ambassador is not only one of urgency, it's one that drives us to not wait to go and be an ambassador for Christ, but it's also a message that is not selective. That we're gonna go to all people, to all unbelievers, because it doesn't matter what they look like on the outside, they all share the same eternal fate. And so Paul says here in verse 16, because of what Christ has done, for us and because we're living for him, he says, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. We cannot be new in Christ and then look at everyone and go, yeah, that's just, there's just flesh, there's just people and I just gotta kind of work with people. No, we need to see people as more than just people that are gonna impact our lives for the good or for the bad. They are people who are created in God's image. They have an eternal destiny that hangs in the balance and so we're not gonna just view it as, well, it's, it's not that important. No, it is so important that we go and we reflect the heart of our king. Everyone is a spiritual being with an eternal destiny that hangs in the balance. And this may be uncomfortable. Perhaps it will require an engagement with conflict, but our confidence then comes from not our own abilities, but from the fact that he is the one who died and rose from the grave for our sins. He is the one who's made us new he is the one who has reconciled me and gave me purpose and calling. And so do you share the king's heart for the lost as an ambassador this morning? Have you accepted this as your identity? These two things can't be separated. You cannot be an ambassador for Christ unless you've been made new. You cannot, but you cannot be new and just remain stagnant. You cannot remain new and just look at things now as fleshly. I just gotta kind of make my best life until I go home to be with Jesus. No, I'm here on mission for him. Amen. As you sit here this morning, if you have not accepted this identity, I, I wanna encourage you, it's not too late. It's possible for you to exchange a life of pursuit after things that have no eternal value to pick up this banner and this identity and walk forward in Christ. It starts with a relationship with him. It starts by recognizing that reconciliation, good standing with God is impossible by your own efforts, but it's been made possible because of his great love for you. Not counting your trespasses against you, but placing all of your sins on his son and his son paid for them all on the cross once and for all. But this morning, Salem Hiders, as we wrap up this series in missions, and again, I look out and I see so many of us who have served in the past or perhaps are serving right now in some form of missions or some form of service. The question for us this morning is, where will God send you next? I wanna just take a moment. In your bulletin, you have two cards. Would you take them out for me, please? We want to be a church that has 100% of the followers of Jesus Christ on mission with Christ as ambassadors for him. I want to just tell you that these two cards represent two separate things, but they're very connected. One is our Salem Heights Serves card. This, this is the chores. 
These are the things that we get to do to serve one another in discipleship and ministry here at Salem Heights Church. The second one is missions. This is the work that we're called to do as an ambassador for Christ. We're going to give you a few minutes, and, we, and, and we're going to have AJ come up here in just a couple of minutes and lead us in one final song, and then we'll commission our two teams this morning. But here's what I'm asking you to do. If you're a regular Salem Heights attender, I would ask that you would consider this morning that you would take a few minutes and that you would think about where is it that God wants me to serve next? Uh, filling out these cards are not a commitment. This is, a, this is just saying, I'm interested. I'm willing to be used by the Lord. What I'd like for you to do is to fill out one or both of these cards and drop them in one of the offering boxes on your way out today. And what we'll do is we'll look at those and we'll follow up with you and we're gonna start a process because here's the thing, we don't wanna just use you. We wanna allow you to be used by the Lord as part of your discipleship and growth in him. And so there's many ways that you can serve here at the church and there's many ways that you can serve on mission, both locally and globally. But we need to take time right now to consider, God, I wanna be an ambassador for you. I wanna, I wanna go where you send me, where is it that you would have me go? And we want to start that process this morning. So would you just take a few minutes right now and consider where you might go? Complete that card. And then we'll pray and worship. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful to be part of your kingdom. Thank you for making us new. Thank you for bringing us back to life. You turned our heart of stone into a heart of flesh. You gave it a heartbeat again. You've opened our blind eyes to see the truth of your word and the glory that's awaiting for us in heaven. And Father God, you have given us identity and purpose and you've called us to be your ambassadors. God, I'm so thankful for the many Salem hiders who are serving as an ambassador, a servant of your kingdom, who are taking the message of the gospel and reconciliation to children, to widows and to orphans, to new believers and seasoned believers, counseling them and coming alongside them in their addiction and saying, in Christ, we can be set free. There's victory. There's newness. God, I pray that you would stir us to be your ambassador and that we would move forward with that as our greatest call in life. We pray this in your son's beautiful name. Amen.